I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. It's that time once again for the Jack Riccardi Show. Yeah, you can't believe the thermometer today. Oh, I can believe it. These temperatures are not, but I mean, it's when you give the thermometer temperature, that does not describe Uh, what's going on outside. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, and you know, you see the you see the thermometer temperature everywhere. It's it's on your dashboard. It's on signs. It's but that's that's not what's going on out there. That's a fact. You know, you look right now and you see it's like ninety degrees here at the Mm -hmm. KTSA studios. You think, oh, ninety? I can. Where are you again? Uh, San Antonio. What did I say? Oh, KTSA? <laughs> KTSA in San Antonio. Okay. Wherever we are. Yes, wherever we are. 90 degrees, but it feels like 104 it outside. It does, and at so least. You, you get those clouds starting to break out. We could still go up a few degrees, and yeah. that's why that, that heat index getting up to 106, maybe 107, you get a heat advisory. Yeah. I was going to say it feels like hell, but I, don't, uh, I haven't been there yet. So. <laughs> that's the short version, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you're going, Jack. All right. Well, we're going to dive into our dreadful little show. Welcome to it. You can join the show at 210-599-5555. Hey, I got a question for you. Why is this being talked about at the White House press briefing, cut number nine? What does it say to parents out there who have daughters, uh, let's say in high school, for example, who are worried that their daughter may have to compete against a male or a person born male? And, they, and there could be a directly and physical athletic competition and worry about their daughter's safety. So look, uh, I'm, what you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender kids are dangerous. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Whoa, what whoa, saying- whoa. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back it up, Don. I want to hear the part of the question where the guy says transgender children are dangerous. Start it from the beginning again. What does it say to parents out there who have daughters, uh, let's say from high school, for example, who are worried that their daughter may have to compete against a male, a, a person born male, and, they, and there could be a directly and physical athletic competition and worry about their daughter's safety? So look, uh, I'm, what you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender kids are dangerous it sounds like that's what you're saying well you're saying you you're saying that their safety is at is in, is is at risk yeah but you're 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 laying out a broad kind of broad mm. example or explanation of what could potentially happening a broad a broad example explanation that is dangerous that is a mm. dangerous thing to say that essentially transgender kids we're talking about are dangerous and mm. so that's something that i have to call out and that is that is that is that is irresponsible i had just laid out how complicated this issue is i had just laid out why it's complicated and so anything that you have any additional questions i refer you to the department of education i'm going to move on i know there are other people go ahead tam go ahead tam, go ahead, tam. no i mean you could read your question in a transcript once you get it go ahead tam um I mean, I'm going to leave aside Corinne Jean-Pierre's personal uh, and obviously visceral reaction to this question. Um, And I guess I get why the reporter asked the question, because one of the things you do at White House press briefings is attempt to create a news story by getting a comment on issues of the day from whoever the president or his spokesperson is. But... But I, I think it's interesting that she goes right into the staunch defense 
of transgender children. By the way, I'm way more worried about the adults that are making these decisions about locker rooms and sports competitions than I am about the children. But but anyway, she goes right into a defense of that. Did, did you notice that she had nothing to say about the children of whom the reporter was speaking? So the message from this White House after the Pride Day event and the fiasco that that turned into... The message from this White House is this is the president of Pride America, not the president of all Americans. And I only bring that up because if I remember correctly, when he was running for president, the message was unity and we're going to bring everybody together and we need an end to the division and the chaos. and We can't have any more of this divisiveness uh, that Trump brought. Uh, and we're going to be about unity. And, you know, I looked at a Gallup poll that just came out this week, um, and it shows that the majority of Americans who don't think that you can change your gender or sex has gone up since 2021. So the, the American people are moving in a different direction than the pride president is trying to take them. Here's what Gallup said. 55% of Americans believe you can't change your gender or sex, up four points from 2021. Two out of three Americans believe there are only two genders, which is a rise of 6% from 2021. Those who believe in a gender spectrum decreased 6% to 34%. Uh, the transgender agenda on sports, 69% now believe Americans should not have to compete against members of the opposite sex who identify as transgender, so two-thirds. This tells me two things. It tells me that we the people are pretty much where we've been on this stuff and that the, uh, the, the trans activism has gotten out over its skis. Even when you look at Generation Z, which is the most progressive generation in American history, 57% of Gen Z, that's people born from the late 90s to about 2010, tell Gallup they believe gender's binary. So more than half and that's up 14% in the last two years. It's strongly held by members of every religious group, from Protestants to, to uh, Hispanic Protestants to black Protestants to Catholics to uh, non-Christian believers to Muslims to, um, you know, to, to each and every group. Now, it's interesting to me because the... The position that they're taking on this seems to not have a um, an apparent populist like bent to it. Like when when politicians were changing their mind o over a period of years about gay marriage, it was because the polls indicated that people were changing their mind. I mean, Joe Biden changed his mind. Kamala Harris changed her mind. Hillary Clinton changed her mind. These people had a different position as public figures, and they were already in high elected office than the position they have today. And whatever explanation they give you for that, they knew somebody, they did some deep thinking, I'm sure it had a little to do, maybe a lot to do, with they saw where the public was going. But in this case, you have to wonder, who's making the policy at the White House? Because it's not the pollsters. It's not the people that report to Joe Biden or his advisors, his handlers, about public polling. They see the same thing Gallup sees. 
And um, the other thing that's amazing to me, and, and this isn't getting enough reporting, and I want to point this out, the Democratic Party has abandoned its position on women. Men who think they are women are now the best women, are now the most important women. And women who are biologically women, but don't buy into this, which is a majority, the Democratic Party is done with you. But they're, they're not done with your vote. They still want that, and they presume they still have that. And the way they presume they still have that is they're pretty sure no matter how far they go on the pride issue and the trans issue, you would never vote for a Republican. Maybe they're right. I mean, I'm not here to say that they're wrong, but that's just what they're assuming, and that's, that's the, the choice they've made. Um, the numbers are still down for uh, Anheuser-Busch. Somebody called it Tranheuser-Busch. Um, the uh, collapse of the Bud Light brand now down a record 27% uh, percent in the last week. It has gone down every single week since the uh, Dylan Mulvaney thing broke. Students at a Massachusetts middle school, Burlington, Massachusetts, Marshall Simmons Middle School, I don't know if it's Simmons or Simons, uh, were hosting a pride celebration on June 2nd, but numerous students who felt obligated to participate after being told to wear rainbow clothing um, and expressed offense at it, tore down rainbow-themed decorations and chanted, USA are my pronouns. This is in Massachusetts. Some of the students said they were offended by a poster that included a quote from author Tennessee Williams implying that humans are not naturally heterosexual. The school, uh, according to uh, Channel 7 in Boston, is denouncing the demonstration by the students. The school is upset with the students for doing it. Is it possible that the school is not reflecting its community? Is it possible that people are starting to ask the question, am I being asked to tolerate or am I being told to obey? And I said a while back on this show that increasingly you're not being sold, you're being told. You're not being urged to buy an electric car, you're being mandated to. You're not being urged to reconsider your attitude about gender and sex, you're being ordered. And people don't like it. We'll talk about that. Uh, something very interesting was going on with the television coverage yesterday at the Trump indictment in Miami. I want to play you this clip. This is, um, so you know, all day the cameras were on the courthouse. They were on the building. They followed Trump in. They followed Trump out. They showed us the plane taking off like we needed to see that. But apparently um, where they drew the line, so Donald Trump was a good story all day, every channel, but where they drew the line was him talking. Here's Jake Tapper, cut number six. Listen to this. Various charges. Uh, remember, it is a 37-count indictment, uh, and Donald Trump has been charged with 37 charges. Nada charged with, I believe, six of those charges, uh, Ellie Honig. And as we watch uh, Donald Trump attempt to turn his arrest and indictment into some sort of campaign commercial, uh, we need to remember that the reason we are watching this is because Donald Trump is accused of breaking some very serious national security laws uh, and then obstructing and refusing to cooperate with the FBI. Yeah, uh, whatever this spectacle is that's unfolding before us, let's remember what this case is about. Let's remember what this indictment charges. Again, Donald Trump is charged with 
a series of federal felonies for mishandling the most sensitive government right, documents that we have and for obstruction Jake's of justice, along with Walt Nauta, who is charged with intentionally setting up lies to the grand jury, to the FBI. Any way you look at this, and again, despite whatever may be going on in that restaurant, this case isn't going to be settled legally in a cafe. It's going to be settled in the court based right, so on the, the facts and law. The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He, this, he's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it That's already. That's enough of that. Uh, let's go over again. Uh, so you, you, uh, you little people have seen enough of that. PBS, I am told, put a uh, Chiron on the screen during Trump's remarks that said inflammatory rhetoric. The children cannot handle this kind of programming. Rachel Maddow told her viewers on MSNBC her network would not, quote, knowingly broadcast untrue things. She got flamed on social media for all their reporting on COVID. Um, there's a word that comes to mind, um, but it's usually used in the context of God and, and religion, and it's called blasphemy. And blasphemy is when you dare to speak of things that are not to be spoken of or question things that are not to be questioned. So in the context of a religion, there's a no-go zone, okay? When did we decide that there was blasphemy in American politics? When did we decide that Donald Trump's words, he, he is the story all day. I'm not, I'm not telling them to cover Donald Trump. I don't care if they cover him or not, but they covered him all day. They told us all day long all the stuff they think he did. They had on experts to talk about how awful it was. None of it's been proven yet. He has not he has not been convicted of anything. But then when he spoke, and, and, and you know, you may or may not be interested in what he has to say, but that's not the point. They warned you, you should not hear this. You should not hear this. This is not for your ears. Now, Again, if it was church and you were questioning the teachings of Jesus Christ, that would be sacrilege. The church leader's job is to make sure you don't go there. But I don't know. In our, in our system, it seems to me we've questioned the Constitution. We've questioned the Bill of Rights. We've questioned uh, the Supreme Court. We've questioned how it should be composed and how many justices there should be. It is okay to talk about, according to them, all of these things. It is okay to broadcast the words of people who incite violence and have done so. Uh, and if somebody is deemed newsworthy, then generally there is a rush to bring you whatever their comments are. I, I just want to point out, they're handling him in a way that they've never handled anyone else up to him. But I don't think it'll be the last time. If he cannot talk about his version of events, then I wonder what happens to the Republican nominee, whether it's Donald Trump or somebody else. Will the media also say that the positions being espoused by that person cannot be heard or are inflammatory or are knowingly untrue or uh, we don't need to hear that? And, and by the way, everything you see on television in the next year and a half will potentially be a campaign commercial, right? Every time every time a politician appears, uh, they will be attempting to create something that could be used in their campaign commercial. Certainly Joe Biden will be doing that. 
will they also refuse to cover those things? It's interesting. It's interesting to watch. You can jump in here at 210-599-5555. So, I mean, when you look at this Gallup poll, which is not getting very much reporting, um, people have not only not changed their mind in favor of the trans agenda, they're moving away from it. Every age group, every demographic, every religious affiliation, even the, the most progressive uh, people, the youngest people, are re- recoiling from the idea that gender is fluid and you can choose it and it's what you feel. And, and, maybe, that's, and maybe that's why, instead of debating it or being persuasive, now you're being told it's dangerous to talk about Do you see the pattern here? Remember during COVID when there was legitimate, qualified, scientific dissent about everything that was being mandated? It was dangerous. Take that down. Suspend that Twitter account. Letters of warning. And with this topic or or with Trump 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 goes through the indictment yesterday now he says some crazy things he's 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 talking emotionally but when did when did political speech become like a um catechism or a gospel that could be adjudicated by our high priests and priestesses of the media where they could suddenly decide it is blasphemy for you to hear these words. And by the way, the presumption of all of these censors is that you're an infant. Okay, you're an immature idiot who cannot judge for him or herself, who cannot listen to someone and decide for themselves if it's if if it's worth considering, if it sounds uh, legitimate, if it sounds like it bears further inspection, if I'm just going to reject it, this is a crazy person talking. The pattern is with everything you cannot say that. You cannot hear that. Now, most of us, I shouldn't say most of us because of the job I'm in, but I think most people are not necessarily going around saying highly opinionated or controversial things, but I thought we all accepted that it was okay to hear them. Have we changed that? Have we decided that that you cannot hear controversial or, um, you know, kind of unofficial, unofficially sanctioned uh, points of view. And is that really sustainable? Because uh, obviously um, we're going to have an election. And it looks like Trump will be the Republican nominee. How can you cover him? if you can't cover him <laughs> and and if it isn't him and there is i think a real possibility that it won't be him it will certainly be someone who will be saying things that fall under this new category of blasphemy you can't say that ron DeSantis is going to say things that they will say you shouldn't hear that's inflammatory rhetoric Of course, the funny thing is that inflammatory rhetoric 
um, used to itself be considered news. That if uh, Al Sharpton was speaking in, uh, you know, at a, at a rally, leveraging charges of racism, um, every network would drop everything they were doing to cover it. That was inflammatory rhetoric. Some of that wasn't true. It might have incited people to violence. But now, I, I even have audio, I'll play it for you after the break. Whoopi Goldberg says you can't bring up Hillary Clinton. You shouldn't be, and we've brought her up a number of times, so I don't know. I guess I, if I was going to follow Whoopi's rule, I'd have to go back to the podcast and edit all that out. Newsflash, I'm not following Whoopi's rule. But she says, I don't want to hear any more talk about Hillary Clinton and what she did. You can't bring that up. Says who? You know, I don't want to hear Whoopi Goldberg. But that's just me. I, I'm not going to prevent you from hearing her. Uh, Jack Riccardi on KTSA. You can join the show, 210-599-5555. Yeah, here's Whoopi uh, blowing up on The View. I don't want to hear it anymore, she says. Listen to this, cut number 11. I hear any more people talking about what Hillary did. I hear any more people talking mm. about what Hillary did. I don't want to hear any more talk about what other people have done because none of them, not one of them, has said mm. no to any of the inquiries, no matter how poorly they were yeah. fashioned or questioned. Nobody fought it. Everybody said, look in and see what you, you find. That's what, what I want. What is she see, talking about? Hillary Clinton smashed phones and wiped her server or had somebody do it for her, because I don't think she does menial labor. Um, it, 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 so what in, in Whoopi's world, Hillary was cooperative cooperative would have been sending the damn emails on the government server in the first place dot gov hillary dot gov and so you know no she didn't want to hear it anymore well tough i was going to say tough titty but can't say that anymore in the trans era um this was tucker carlson's uh take on the um trump indictment i thought this was interesting so he is still doing these Twitter shows, Tucker on Twitter, even though they've got a cease and desist letter from uh, Fox News Corp. Uh, and there's going to eventually this is going to go to court, I guess, somehow or be adjudicated somehow. He says, you can pinpoint the moment when we knew what happened yesterday was going to happen, had to happen. Cut number eight. Listen to this. Either way, seven and a half years later, we can point to the precise moment that permanent Washington decided to send Donald Trump to prison. Here it is. It's from the Republican candidates debate in Greenville, South Carolina. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. They lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none. And they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass okay. destruction. Okay. All right. Go we should never have been in Iraq, Trump said. We destabilized the Middle East. Now, by the time Trump said that, a lot of Republican primary voters were starting to reach the same conclusion. How could they not? But it was the next line that doomed Trump to today's arrest. They lied, he said. There were no weapons of mass destruction, and they knew there were none. Now, when he said that, a few in the crowd booed. Most just sat there in silence, stunned. Can he say that? Well, he said it anyway. And by saying that, he sealed his fate. That was the one thing you were not allowed to say. Mm. 
Um, it kind of made me think today. That was Tucker on Twitter, by the way. Third episode, I think. We've had some stories in the news lately. You probably have heard bits and pieces of this. Um, the White House is admitting that there is a Chinese spy base in Cuba. At first they said there wasn't. Then they said there was. And now they're saying, well, yeah, there has been for years. It was Trump's fault. He, uh, we inherited that problem. Um, then I saw a story... This is from Sweden, and I, I wanted a link to it, but all the, all the versions of it I found were in foreign languages. <laughs> but the, the story goes that the Swedish government bought a bunch of Volvo cars from the Chinese company that now owns Volvo and makes Volvo. And they're warning um, the employees that are using these cars. So these are government cars for the government of Sweden. They're warning them, quote, not to talk about sensitive issues in these cars. And the article goes on to say that the Swedish government is looking into how to, quote, unquote, cut off communication between its Volvo cars and entities in China. And, I mean, I could point to a bunch of other things. So Trump was saying... We shouldn't have been in Iraq. Right now, our um, elites are pushing us into a war with Russia. And I started thinking, why are they so intent on a war with Russia? I'm not questioning that because I think Russia is benign or Putin's a great guy. I I accept how awful he is and, and, and so forth. But... Isn't China the real adversary? Isn't China the country? If we're going, I don't want us to have a war. Period. I don't. I don't. I don't want a war. I don't believe in war. I don't, but I mean, and I and I, I. I'm starting to wonder when I look at all the wokeism in the military how actually prepared we are for a war. But but be that as it may, I, I'm not pushing for a war with China either. I'm not saying we should have a war with China instead of a war with Russia. I'm asking why is all of our guidance. Why is everything that we're being fed and told geared to make us hate and, and, and desire war with Russia when China is provably doing things that are more dangerous? And, of course, the grand daddy of them all, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, yesterday or, or the day before, is the stuff that's come out about uh, the Chinese military's involvement with uh, bioweapons research at the Wuhan lab, which immediately was followed by the outbreak of illness at the Wuhan lab. The people who got ill now turn out to be the first people in the world who had COVID-19. Didn't even have a name at that point, but they were the first ones to be sick with it. Aren't we being misled? Isn't China public enemy number one? I'm not talking about Chinese people. I'm not talking about Chinese Americans. I'm not talking about bigotry or xenophobia. And I'm not even advocating for war. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But it does seem like Russia is being dangled so as to distract from China. You can say anything about Russia and Putin. You can call him anything. You can use any words. You can uh, discuss rumors and, and uh, alleged war crimes in Ukraine. But if you talk about China, you get shut down. If you're an executive, 
If you're a sports uh, executive, you lose your job. If you're a Fortune 100 company executive, you don't even get a warning. You're out. Companies bend over backwards to not offend China. No one right now is worrying about offending Russia. And then you have to factor this in. So, okay, we're being told it's Russia, Russia, Russia. Don't talk about China. Who was the Biden family's number one benefactor? China. Where were they making the deals? With whom was Hunter partnering in the establishment of shell investment companies? China. Is China getting what they paid for now? Is the blasphemy about talking about the Beijing regime, is that, is that what they paid for? Is that what, is that what the money was for? Is that what they were purchasing? I mean, let's face it. Joe Biden has never been very sharp. The Chinese didn't think that he was making policy. Like, oh, if we bribe this guy, uh, U.S. policy toward us will directly become more favorable. No. They just figured that if Joe Biden said, hey, you should meet with you know, Comrade X, the meeting would happen. And, and it did, repeatedly, over and over again. So Joe wasn't even somebody they targeted because they thought he was important or influential. They just figured he could get you into the people who were. He could get you in to see an Anthony Blinken. He could get you in to see somebody in the Obama administration. So when you think about it, which is the more serious enemy? Based on what you've seen them do, just, just judge them by their actions as you know them. And, and, and again, I'm not advocating for war. And I'm not saying we should attack them. I'm saying, think about what you're being told to think versus what all the evidence points to. And by the way, it's not that if you vote for China, you're saying Russia's just dandy, just A-OK. They're an adversary. They're a dangerous country. It's a dangerous regime. But I, I, I think more and more as you watch the coverage and you contrast it with the coverage of China, it's really stark. Like, the people in the media basically have an excuse, an explanation for everything China has done wrong and corruptly. But they spare no rhetoric when they talk about Russia. When they talk about Russia, they might as well be Joe McCarthy in the 1950s. One other point I'll make before we go to your calls. Russia, when it was uh, public enemy number one during the Red Scare, was a communist regime. But no one really knows what to describe them as now. They're not, it's, it's oligarchy, it's, it's crony capitalism, it's not, it's not the Soviet Union. China, uh, the... Uh, regime that they are putting their arms around and bodyguarding and protecting and ready to take a bullet for on CNN. China is a regime that actually embodies a lot of the policies, especially uh, social policies, that the left in this country would like to see us have here. So that's another reason I think they're protecting them. They kind of admire the brand of authoritarianism they see in Beijing. 
not Moscow. And when you listen to them talk about Moscow, you might think, oh, they're anti-dictatorship, they're anti-authoritarianism, they're anti-warlords. But no, because the Chinese are also all of that, and they get defended. Got breaking news here this afternoon that they have indicted Daniel Penny in Manhattan in the uh, death of Jordan Neely. We're going to talk about that coming up after 5. And you can always join the show at 210-599-5555. The Russian Defense Ministry says its troops have captured NATO-supplied armor in uh, a region of Ukraine that has been recaptured from the uh, Ukrainian military. The Russians released footage of U.S. Bradley infantry fighting vehicles, some with the engines still running, they claim. And uh, they're crowing on this video about these are our trophies. One Russian soldier uh, says of the hardware, it's not as scary as we thought it would be. Uh, They're kind of brandishing and joking about some of the NATO and U.S. supplied weapons. Look, as far as Ukraine, I I support Ukraine's fight against Russian aggression and invasion. I admire the Ukrainian people. Um, I I am really out to lunch about Zelensky, and, and it's a very corrupt regime. Even even if you want to say, well, he's really risen to the occasion or whatever, I'm not ready to call him Churchill. I'm sorry, but I'm not I'm not with you on that. You can have that party without me. So I, I it's not in any way, shape, or form rooting for Russia or wishing the demise of of the Ukrainians. And and um, or, you know, we never want to see any independent sovereign country crushed by a bigger neighbor. Um, but take with a grain of salt what you are being fed and just just look if nothing else look at the positioning of the story there is in the american media an almost bloodlust for this war uh there isn't anything i mean we talked the other day about a guy at the american enterprise institute saying let's send them nuclear weapons now i don't know if that's you know, I don't know how seriously that's being considered, but just the idea that you would say that out loud tells you that there's a kind of war fever going on. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, there is Boku evidence that China weaponized the COVID-19 virus and unleashed it and was planning on unleashing it in a way that would immunize them but no one else. That didn't work, and China got the, the, the bug along with everybody else. But how do we overlook China in our bloodlust for Russia? How do we overlook the, the spy base in Cuba, the balloon overflights, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? How do we overlook the child labor? How do we overlook the concentration camps for religious minorities like the Weigers. We're going to talk about that. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555, the JR poll today. Would you say Russia or China is a more serious enemy of the United States? So I saw a story that kind of caught my eye because it's about the radio business. And it was a story about how a radio station uh, had announced that they were the first to employ an artificial intelligence disc jockey. And jokingly to myself, I thought, <laughs> I hope it's not our company. <laughs> it is our company. Is it really? Yes, it is. Uh, KBFF in Portland, Live 95.5, uh, and now has um, AI Ashley on middays. 
Mm-hmm. Now, listen to this. So I read the press release from our company. Um, they have a disc jockey named Ashley, who's a real person. Seems like a very nice person. Um, and they want everybody to know they're not replacing her. They're just including or adding some AI Ashley to the, I guess, real Ashley. Okay. So they're apparently, I guess, it sounds like maybe sometimes when Ashley does a break, it's human Ashley, and sometimes when Ashley talks up a record, it's AI Ashley. That seems very uncomfortable. Is this top 40 by chance? It's a rock station. Huh. Um, no, I'm sorry. It is a top 40 station, KBFF. Yeah, yeah. And um, she says she's cool with it, but of course she has to say that. <laughs> and then they and then they say the magic words that always wreak terror in radio. We plan no major changes. Mm. So, if I was Ashley, and I'm not, you know, I'm just going to say this. I would maybe trip over that plug or. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Maybe just loosen a couple of connections in the back of AI, Ashley. You know what I'm saying? Seems to me, just in my... Watch your back, Ashley. I think that... You know, I haven't heard it, so I I don't want to pass judgment. But if artificial intelligence was created by humans who are Mm kind of messed up sometimes, Mm. where does that rank? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it might have something to do with the younger audience that, you know, may not notice the. Di- I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a. I mean, all kidding aside, I think they're just trying to be trendy. You know, I mean, well, Jack, it, it, you could re- you could record her, play it back, and go, oh, this is artificial, Ashley. You know, I mean, well, thinking about it this way, you, you did top forty long, long time ago, right? Yes. Did that format, did that type of station not love publicity? And here we are oh, yeah. talking about it in San Antonio. Yeah. There you go. There All you right. go. Just saying. Um, so I'm going to start identifying myself as the real Jack Riccardi when I come on. Just, <laughs> right. Because someday you may need that. That may be an important distinction. Yeah. Um, anyway, welcome to our uh, show. It is real I, I, and, and horrifying, I know. 210-599-5555. Uh, people have uh, asked me many times, is, how can this be a real show? Is this a real show? And, and it is absolutely real. Uh, we've been talking about Russia and China. The J.R. Poll question, is Russia or is China a more serious enemy? I'm not asking the question because I want a war. Nobody in, the, in their right mind should want a war. And, and, and this is not to suggest that recognizing an enemy is the same thing as saying, let's go to war. But I, I see a pattern where we are cultivating a mindset about Russia based on their invasion of Ukraine. I mean, General Flynn almost went to prison for just making a phone call, just talking to his counterpart in Russia when he was on Trump's transition team. I- I'm old enough to remember when it was considered very enlightened and erudite if you were reaching out to the Russians, if you were talking to the Russians, that made you a peacekeeper, that qualified you for international prizes and, and, and recognition, right? And, and that's when they were communists and they had the gulag and everything else. Okay, so I get that it's still a malignant regime, and I get that they've invaded a neighbor and they're, they're, they're doing horrible things, but I, I think you're being massaged and managed and funneled into a mindset 
that accomplishes two things. First, the, the deep state loves war and gains more power when we're at war. And that's one of the reasons they recoiled from Trump not wanting to stay in Afghanistan and Iraq. But then the other thing that's, that, that's being accomplished by this Russia mania is we're not talking about, we're not hearing about China, which is acting, I believe, as a much more serious and, and lethal opponent, which is wargaming a, a, a battle with the United States in the Pacific, which is simulating attacks on our carriers, which is gearing up to attack an ally, Taiwan, uh, which is um, almost certainly responsible for the unleashing of COVID and the deaths of millions of people. So whatever you want to say about Russia, I will match you and, and, <laughs> and double down on you with China. And again, they can both be adversaries, but why do we only hear about one? Why is it, in fact, verboten, blasphemous to even talk about China? 210-599-5555. When our leaders talk about Russia, they call them war criminals. They call them um, every name in the book. I have never heard a Democrat or a media figure caution us that we better be careful with what we say lest there be violence against Russian Americans. But when Trump called it the Wuhan flu, he was scolded because that was supposedly going to lead people like you and me to go after our friends and neighbors and co-workers who were Asian. And I don't deny that there were a few people that did that, but that is not a reason to not say what we know and be honest with ourselves and with the world about COVID and about China. And by the way, how must it look to the rest of the world, which is not suffering from this delusion? You know, in most of the world, they see what China is doing. Uh, in, in many countries, they are feeling the heel of China on their throat. China is coming into a lot of third world countries and buying up land where there is uh, precious metals and, and rare earth minerals. They are uh, gaining uh, control of ports and the operation of ports and airports. Uh, there is nothing subtle about this. They are throwing their weight around like the old Soviet Union. And it must be interesting to be in these countries and be scared bleepless about Beijing, and then you watch the United States government, the United States media, pretending none of this is happening. Just completely cool with it. And the, the story from Sweden is really interesting. I told this story last hour. If you haven't heard this, Volvo, which was always a Swedish car company, legendary, probably one of the best-known brands from that country of anything, some years ago, China bought controlling interest in Volvo, and a lot of Volvos are made in China. Anyway, the Swedish government bought a bunch of these cars that were m manufactured in China. They, they bought them for government use, I guess. But then they put out a memo to their uh, employees saying, do not discuss anything sensitive or important when you're in the car. And this article, which was in a Swedish uh, news website, went on to say, and the Swedish government is looking at how to sever the communications link these cars have to the parent 
factory. That's, that's saying something. And, and by the way, that's Sweden. That's a European country that the left usually lauds and, and says we should be more like. They are seeing China with clear eyes in Sweden. Uh, 210-599-5555 is the number in here. You can get on the air. And uh, River City Oral Surgery, J.R. Poll, is Russia or China a more serious enemy of the United States? Janice is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Janice, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Well, you know, I've said that China has invaded us in many ways already. They seem to have taken over our manufacturing uh you know, we can't buy anything nowadays that's made in the United States. It's all made in China. Um, they've screwed up the minds of our young kids. Our kids would rather sit on the couch and play video games than do things like be physically active and or uh, educate their mind by reading books. And the Chinese have done that by providing cheap electronics and video games to, you know, our whole younger generation. Uh and, you know, they also supposedly are the ones who provide the chemicals for fentanyl to Mexico so we mm. can wipe out the rest of the kids. If their minds haven't been eaten up with video games, they're going to OD on fentanyl. Mm-hmm. So Janice, do you I remember when – yeah, no, I, and I, can't, I can't dispute any of that. Um, I, I want to ask you a question, though. Um, do, do you remember back – and I think this would have been primarily the 1980s – um, people used to say a lot of this stuff about Japan. And I was thinking about that as you were talking. Is it, is it the, are, are we, are we basically repeating the accusations? But the difference with Japan was, and you correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong, because I, I think you probably know more about this than I do. J- Japan definitely had, um, predatory industrial policies. They were flooding the world with cheaply made goods. They were buying up stuff here in the United States. But they did not have as a national um, agenda, right, uh, uh, the agenda of their right. government, uh, the, the diminution of or the conquest of the United States. Japan was trying to establish itself as a superpower, but it seemed to me like, it seems to me like with China, it's a pie where as their piece gets bigger, our piece gets smaller. Does that make sense? Yes. I think the Japanese, you're right, uh, manufactured most of the electronics and had a headway on the auto manufacturing business. Right. But their idea was just to become an economic superpower. It was right. never to dominate the world and certainly not to dominate any place in particular by the military. And I don't think it was an ideology. I think have, they were yeah. they were like businessmen on steroids, you know. They it wasn't it yeah. wasn't ideological. Right. The Chinese intent and you can talk to anybody who's ever been in the military or worked for the State Department, but the Chinese intent is to take over the world. And it is their intent to have that accomplished in this century. And what can I say? You need to be keep teaching your kids how to speak Chinese because it's coming, whether we want it to or not. Mm. Yeah. They yeah, it's good to hear from you. Thank most you. of the stuff Thank in you. Africa, for sure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the, if we're going to push for electric cars, they are going to have the uh, chokehold on the stuff that goes into the batteries. That's absolutely right. Thank you, Janice. Uh, Jim is on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you? 
so yeah, so just to segue into uh, your assessment of China, you're right on. But if I think it, it was Janet Yellen, the um, Treasury Secretary, a couple of days ago, basically came out and said that uh, we cannot survive economically without China, and we have to have a relationship with them. Well, I mean, well, this kind of tells you everything you need to know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. they, they are so in bed, and I think it's, you know, you can say deep state, whatever, but I just really believe a lot of these people are being paid through the back door with with them, with um, our, our economics. I think the word that comes to mind is they have cultivated politicians in this country very patiently over a very long period of time. Uh, they didn't try to do it too fast. They didn't try to do it with just one party. Um, and, and, and they didn't just do it with politicians. I mean, you can look at their endowment of universities, their their placement of their monies in this country. You can look at the acquisition of farmland and industries. And Janice mentioned, uh, you know, raw materials. I, I think it's a very patient strategy that's playing out. We keep waiting for them to do something sudden, like a sudden attack on Taiwan, but none of this has been sudden. All of this has been very, very slow and patient, and they're doing it against a country that is impatient. We we don't do anything this way, right? We, we expect results during a two-year congressional term or within the four years of a presidency, uh, and we, we think everything should have instant uh, payoff or instant gratification. If a policy doesn't instantly yield a result, we throw it over for something else. Um, I don't know how you contend with that, but that, I think that makes them very dangerous. Well, is it, Jack, and this is all called infiltration within... Yeah, but uh, thank you, Jim. I appreciate the call. Um, it, it's yes. I mean, there are willing helpers and what the Soviets used to call useful idiots uh, in this country, to be sure. Um, but again, it, it, what's really, really different is every adversary we have faced before um, ultimately overreached or had a flaw in their plan like you know we've we've talked before on this show and 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 I know not everybody agrees but when the, when the Japanese attacked at Pearl Harbor in 1941 that wasn't an attack intended to start a war that was an attack intended to prevent or preempt a war their thinking was the United States doesn't want trouble in this part of the world so we will make sure they can't make any we will show them the cost of even trying and we know they they're going to be tied down in Europe with uh, their allies. They're, they're Eurocentric, and their allies are all European. And and so the the miscalculation, the huge miscalculation of Japan was attacking at Pearl Harbor would mean they didn't really have to have a protracted war with a country that was much more powerful, much more productive. Well, of course, that's what happened. And after a while, we reversed the tide of that war because we did all the things they were afraid we could do. We could produce more planes, more ships. We could keep replacing uh, weaponry and uh, ships and planes as they got destroyed. We could keep replenishing the ranks of our pilots and our uh, soldiers and our Marines, whereas they could not. So the kind of war that, that unfolded in the Pacific was exactly the kind of war Japan could not fight, did not want, they didn't get what they wanted by attacking Pearl Harbor. They got the opposite of it. But that was a that was a rash overreach of a decision. And there's 
shelves of books about how they got this wrong and why the 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 empire and the emperor listened to the wrong generals and what have you and so forth. However, in the case of China, it, it, think about it. There isn't a Pearl Harbor. There probably won't be. It's plotting. It's slow. It's gradual. And then it's also predicated on people in this country, some of whom may know what they're doing and some of whom may not, who are helping shape the narrative. So the more they amp you up about Russia, the more they are taking your eyes, your attention away from China. Who would benefit from that? Seems like it would be China. And we have the Jack Chat line for that as well. So if you're a podcast listener and you can't obviously chime in in real time because you're listening like overnight or on a Sunday or something, you can hit the Jack Chat line, leave your first name, your town, and your comment. 210-599-5550. It's very easy to do. Works kind of like a voicemail. 210-599-5550. Any comment you want to leave on the Jack Chat line, we'll play those back on the show. Uh, the mayor of Miami is running for president. Francis Suarez has filed the paperwork as a Republican candidate for president in 2024. There is a super PAC that supports him, that is doing a digital ad blitz in early primary states. And uh, he's been teasing this for a while and now has made it official. I don't know a lot um, about him. I've kind of seen him out there lately, um, so this didn't come as a huge surprise. Um, But one thing I have read about him, and I'm not trying to say this is the most salient fact. Apparently he is under some kind of investigation uh, in Miami uh, for some kind of ethics violations, so I don't know. Sometimes, it's weird, sometimes, I'm not saying this is true about him because I don't know, but sometimes people run for president because they are in an untenable situation in the job that they have now. Because you know who else they're talking about as a potential guy that's going to run for president is Joe Manchin, the Democratic senator from West Virginia. There's a lot of speculation that he would run as an independent, you know, as a non-party guy that would, you know, be the the path between Biden and Trump or whoever, or or that he might run in the Democratic primaries against Joe Biden, with whom he's had a lot of issues. But, of course, one of the reasons people say Joe Manchin would do that is because in West Virginia... He is deeply underwater for re-election. I saw one poll where the Republican, the likely Republican candidate in West Virginia is beating Joe Manchin by 24 points. And, I mean, Manchin's a, a very popular guy. He was the governor of that state. He's been a senator there a long time. He's Obviously, he's, you know, he's not out to lunch, but um, West Virginians have just had it with the Democratic Party. And that D after his name is is so bad, it may drag him down. And so one theory is, well, he, he can't be reelected. So he might as well take a stab at running for president. I don't know if Suarez in Miami is in that boat or not. We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, 210-599-5555. What do you think about, and, and I know you're not surprised, what do you think about the news today that the grand jury in Manhattan has indicted Daniel Penny, the Marine who was on the subway 
when Jordan Neely came on and started uh, screaming at people that he was going to kill them, that he wasn't afraid to die, that he didn't care what happened to him. And it was a very frightening, tense few moments that culminated in uh, this man, uh, Daniel Penny, and another guy um, subduing Neely. And we played the video a day or two ago of uh, Penny saying that he wasn't trying to kill him, um, that he was afraid of what was unfolding, and um, he reacted out of not only fear for himself, but fear for people around him. I, I think a lot of people support what Daniel Penny did, and I'm one of them. Um, I think he acted in a way that a lot of people wish they could act, but can't, or, or would be afraid to, or would be paralyzed to. Um, and, and as I think about Daniel Penny, I think about one of the, I guess you'd say, paradoxes or conundrums we have in society, which is that we, we want to be safe. It might be the most important thing we want. It might be our most important need or desire to feel safe, to be safe. We want to be safe. But isn't it interesting how often we don't want what makes us safe? Isn't it interesting how we try to have it both ways? We want to be safe, and if something threatens our safety, someone should do something. But then we can sit back and judge in the, with the luxury of our safety, we can judge what was done. We do this with police all the time. If there's anybody listening right now as a police officer, you're nodding your head. You know what I'm talking about. We want the safety, but we don't always like uh, the breaking of the eggs to make the omelet. And I also start, started to wonder today about Daniel Penny and what would have happened, how would this story have been different if Daniel Penny was a black Marine I think a black Marine would have acted exactly the same way. But what if you didn't have the unspoken but obvious component here of race? Would they still indict him? Maybe. Would the spin be different? Maybe. Would they find some other hook to hang the story on? Maybe. I um. I could also imagine, uh, e even if you like what he did, I could imagine that some people might look at what he did and go, well, it, maybe it's better if this is brought into a courtroom because then both sides have to put up or shut up. Daniel Penny, in the telling of his story, seems solid. He's not shaky on details he's not saying things that are unsupported by the video evidence or by eyewitnesses he seems to have around him ample evidence that what he is saying and the validity of his responses can be proven and that makes him the opposite of for example jesse smollett or as dave Chappelle calls him juicy smollett remember jesse smollett told a story that he couldn't prove for which there was no evidence, and which immediately sounded outlandish, if not totally made up.
I mean, every detail of it was just off, like milk that's turned. You know, it looks like milk, but boy, it doesn't smell like it or taste like it, does it? And the Jesse Smollett story fell apart like in a blizzard of, you know, shards. It just went to pieces. This story seems the opposite of that to me. Right now, from everything we know, uh, Daniel Penny has told a story that is believable, that is historically accurate based on the history of Jordan Neely, that is borne out by video and eyewitness accounts, that is in consistency with who Daniel Penny is. And, uh, and in that light, you could argue that, well, maybe he needs his day in court. Like, maybe that's the best thing that could happen. Let, let it all come out. And that's the place for it to all come out. So what are your thoughts about the indictment of Daniel Penny, the actions of Daniel Penny, his prospects of getting a fair trial? Um, is it better for him that he goes through the, you know, the wheels of the criminal justice system? He's going to be judged no matter what. Um, what does it say about us that we want safety, but we... Um, are wildly inconsistent when somebody protects us. I mean, and, and that's not new. That's probably an age-old thing. This is the uh, the video that we played the other day on the show. This is Daniel Penny just, uh, in his own words, explaining the incident on the subway for which he was indicted today in Manhattan. Cut number two. So I take the subway multiple times a day. In this instance, I was coming from school. I got out of class around 2.15, and I took the J Street, I was at J Street Metro Tech, took the Uptown F train um, at 2nd Avenue. Uh, a man came on, stumbled on, he was, appeared to be on drugs. Um, the doors closed and he ripped his jacket off and, violent, and threw it at the people sitting down to my left. I was listening to music at the time um, and he was yelling so I took my headphones out to hear what he was yelling. And the three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you. I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. You know, this is a this was a scary situation, and uh, Mr. Neely came on. He was he was threatening. He's, he's a, I'm six two, and he was taller than me, so it was. And there's a common misconception that Marines don't get scared. We're actually taught uh, one of our core values is courage, and courage is not the absence of fear, but how you handle fear, and you know. I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying, saying these threats. I couldn't just sit still. Some people say that I was holding on to Mr. Ely for 15 minutes. This is not true. I mean, between stops is only a couple minutes. So the whole interaction lasted less than five minutes. Some people say I was trying to choke him to death, which is also not true. I was trying to restrain him. Uh, you can see in the video, there's a clear rise and fall of his chest indicating that he's breathing. I'm trying to restrain him from him being able to carry out the threats. And then some people say that this is about race, which is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't see a black man threatening passengers. I saw a man threatening passengers. I just, I, I mean, I was trying to keep him on the ground as, until the police came. I was praying that the police would come and take this situation under, uh, take this situation over. I didn't want to be put in that situation, but I couldn't just sit still and let, let him carry out these threats. Faces up to 15 years on a second-degree manslaughter. 
in the death of Jordan Neely. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. When I when I saw this video, um, my my hunch about this video is that it was made either in his lawyer's office or at least at the instruction of and advice of a lawyer because they needed to get a concise, straightforward narration of this from him without interruption, ASAP, before the show trial uh, and the spin and everything else that we know is going to happen. What, what do you think is going to happen as a result of him going to court, being tried on this? How confident are you that if he tells this story you just heard, and if the eyewitnesses stick to their story, and if the video is brought forward, and if the record of Jordan Neely is brought forward, that he will be exonerated, and and that the exoneration of a trial will be good for him and be good for society. Because think about it in another way. Let's let's just say, for, for instance, that they don't indict him. We don't forget about him. We're not going to just forget this whole thing happened. People will keep it alive. We know, for example, that the advocates for Jordan Neely will keep it alive. We know that the advocates for race war will keep it alive. Uh, we know that the people that, that think this kind of conduct or response to a, a situation is, is quote-unquote, um, uh, vigilante justice, they'll keep it alive. So, in essence, if you're, if you're uh, Daniel Penny, people are going to keep lying about you whether you go to trial or not. But if you go to trial and you go through the, the wheels of a, of a, of a trial and, and you are found not guilty, could one not say that kind of arms you with another weapon in your defense? That's, of course, if it all is played and played straight. Um, and do you, um, do you think he can get a fair trial? I know that a lot of people think the charging was unfair and the reporting was unfair and they were suspicious of the authorities in New York for recent and good reason. Um, but if this is an actual jury of Daniel Penny's peers, this may be the moment when we find out that people are fed up, that people have had it with being afraid. Something as, as benign and, and anodyne as taking the subway has become way too dramatic. So I figured you might have a thought on the poll question today. Is Russia or China a more serious enemy of the United States? Yeah, China. Do you get the sense, though, that we are being distracted as if Russia is, you know, enemy number one? Absolutely. There, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you'd question it. And I think this goes back. This is the five, six years old. I mean, who did they try to associate uh, then-President Trump with? It was 
Russian collusion. And, mm-hmm. you know, that pairing I thought was, I mean, I, I get that, you know, Trump's wife is Russian and so forth, but I think it goes back that far. And, of course, mm-hmm. here in recent months, you know, the last year or two, we're discovering more and more about, about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden flying mm-hmm. to, to Beijing. And yeah. it, it's awfully quiet. And even COVID. Yeah. That's real <laughs> quiet. It kind of you know seeps out of the cracks, but then we seal those up, and it's a very weighted coverage. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean COVID. COVID alone uh, is. I am fascinated by how we are not dealing with the growing, mounting evidence of intentionality and and responsibility, and um, you know. We won't go into all the the, the points of it, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just I think historians are going to have a hard time understanding the lack of response or even the lack of interest in what appears to have been a, an attack. I'm fascinated by the lack of obvious journalism. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, something this big. Yeah. And yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's not out there. Right. I don't think, in fact, I know it is. <laughs> Let me rephrase it. I yeah. know it is. Yeah. When is that going to come to light? When, yeah. when is more going to come to light? And again, back to your original question, why is it so sleepy when the subject is China? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I heard somebody say, I forget who it was, that I thought made a lot of sense about modern journalism. Modern journalism, and this is mostly true of television, but as you know, Christian, television journalism kind of drives the, the car. Um, modern journalism has become too dependent on hiring quote-unquote experts from government yeah. to explain stuff. And naturally, the explanation is flavored by and tilted toward the government's position. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you, you, can't, you can't have that. I mean, you know, I mean, your, your first job is to be skeptical. If the government today, says today's Wednesday, you know, you go check a calendar. But if you have 25-year-old news anchors who are the senior correspondent at their network interviewing 45- and 50-year-old former FBI agents, and those people say, I'm going to tell you how it is, they're deferring to them. If I had followed today's national quote-unquote, journalistic standards, when I was getting into, well, more news, I'd been in the business radio for about 10 years before I really started going news, even by about 1990, no, it'd be about 1999, if I had followed today's national news standards as far as the weighted coverage without any balance, in many cases with zero context whatsoever, I don't think I could have kept a job. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I I'm right. quite sure in 20 years, that's how yeah. far it shifted. So, yeah, very good point. Hope you have a great night, sir. Thank you. you. Too. Um, thank you. Later in this hour, the results on our JR poll question, the same one I asked Christian. Uh, you can vote at 210 599 5555. We'll talk about it right now, or you can put in a vote at ktsa.com on the JR poll. Uh, this is an exchange between a reporter and White House press secretary. Corinne Jean-Pierre about uh, trans participation in girls' sports. Cut number nine. What you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender... Sorry, John, can we get the whole question that the person asked there? Can you back it up to where we hear the question and then the answer? President say to parents out there who have daughters, uh, let's say in high school, for example, who are worried 
that their daughter may have to compete against a male, a, a person born male, and, they, and there could be a directly in physical athletic competition and worry about their daughter's safety. So look, uh, I'm, what you're alluding to is basically saying that transgender kids are dangerous it sounds like that's what you're saying well you're saying you're saying that their safety is at is in, is is at risk yeah but you're 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 laying out a broad kind of broad example or explanation of what could potentially happening a broad a broad example explain that is dangerous that is a dangerous thing to say that essentially transgender kids we're talking about are dangerous and so that's something that I have to call out and that is that is that is that is irresponsible I had just laid out how complicated this issue is I had just laid out why it's complicated and so anything that you have any additional questions I refer you to the Department of Education I'm gonna move on I know there are you other people tell, you could tell this was personal for KJP because she didn't have to refer to her trapper keeper like she usually does um, and I, I thought it was interesting that her response was so obviously personal um, because she is a lesbian and she is very out about that and I'm not saying that a lesbian can't be White House press secretary or that a lesbian can't answer that question but she can't answer it because she's a lesbian because all she heard was a perceived attack on trans people when the purpose of the question was what would you say to the parents of children who are affected by this sports participation issue. You could step back from all of this and say it's crazy that this is even coming up at a White House press briefing. I mean, how did we even get to the point? But but anyway, we're there. That bridge has been crossed. That milk has been spilt. Um, my, my takeaway from this is that th this administration is no longer even pretending that all children or all women or all people are of interest. You know, I'm so old, I remember when politicians wanted as many votes as they could get, and they would take those votes from whoever they could get. And yes, they knew that they were more likely to get those votes in a northern state or a southern state or a western state or get them from white people or black people. Yes, I mean, obviously, we always knew that. But it, it's really it's really overt and obvious now that the Biden administration, and I don't mean Joe Biden because he has no idea, but Team Biden is carving up the electorate and carving out what it thinks will be a sufficient number of people in sufficient categories to retain power. Her question has nothing in it for the parents and children the reporter was asking about. She didn't even try. I think people have had it with this. I cited a Gallup survey earlier in the show. If you've not seen this, this just came out, I think, uh, yesterday. And it's a series of questions about uh, the LGBTQ um, area. And what it shows is that not only do a majority of Americans disagree with the current orthodoxy, but the number is going in the opposite direction from our so-called opinion leaders. So what they are trying to get us to accept or to think of as orthodox, it's backfiring. Let me just give you a couple of numbers from this Gallup poll. 55% of Americans believe changing one's gender is wrong, that you can't do it. 
55%, and that's up four points from the same question just two years ago, 2021. Um, Only registered Democrats became more likely to consider transgender identity acceptable, but every other group, every other breakout, found it less so. Two out of three Americans, 65% to be exact, believe there are only two sexes. That's up 6% from two years ago. The number of people who believe gender is on a spectrum is down six points from two years ago. Transgender agenda on sports, which is what KJP was asked about. Two out of three Americans, 69%, now believe athletes should not have to compete against members of the opposite sex who identify as transgender. That's up seven points in two years. So we are moving in the opposite direction from what the left is pushing. That tells me the left has pushed people too far. That tells me that despite the repetition and the frequency and the ubiquity of this message, and you can't deny it, I'm a voice in the wilderness on this. You know that. It's not working. People are fed up. There may have been a point, and there definitely was a point, several years ago, when public attitude was moving in favor of things like gay marriage. And the politicians saw that and they moved with it. And every major politician on the scene has had to flip-flop, has had to change his or her position on that. Some of them admit it, most of them don't. But in that instance, we were leading them. And now they are trying to lead us, and it's not working. Even Generation Z, people born between 1998 and 2010, now believe the gender is binary. 57% believe it is. That's up 14% in two years. It's overreach. They've gone too far. They've gone too hard. And when you look at things like the fiasco at the White House for Pride Month, I I have said this for a long time, and I think the evidence is starting to come in. It is not winning people over to the viewpoint of tolerance or sympathy. It is repelling people. They are saying, I don't recognize people I know in this behavior. I may know a gay person. I may know a trans person. I don't recognize this behavior. When I see that guy we played yesterday, uh, what was the name, Don Rose Montoya? Was that it? Montoya? Okay. We played the audio yesterday, and we'll play a little of it again here in a bit, but when you watch the video, this is the, the, the trans... Uh, activist who's now been told by the White House, oh, you went too far, we're not letting you in anymore. Um, he's flipping and, and manipulating and, like, batting at and just playing with um, nipples and breasts in a way that women do not do, unless I guess they're, you know, exotic dancers or something. But th- this isn't... When you say, I'm becoming a woman, or I'm declaring myself as a woman, women are looking at this and saying, that's not us. You're not getting it right. It's no more convincing to women to see that than it is for a black person to see a white person in blackface and go, oh, man, you nailed it. You look just like us. (laughs) Said no one ever. This poll is further evidence, and I think there's a lot of it, that they've taken it too far. This is the uh, trans activist, Rose Montoya, who was at the Pride event at the White House and then got banned from... By the way, I, I'm waiting for this to get retracted and, you know, 
L.A. Dodger where they'll they'll reverse themselves and go, oh, we 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 went too far, we misspoke, it was misunderstood. Uh, Rose Montoya is welcome at the White House, but anyway, for now she's not. He's not, and this is uh, what Rose Montoya was saying. It has recently come to my attention that conservatives are trying to use the video of me topless at the White House to try to call the community groomers, etc. And I would just like to say that, first of all, going topless in Washington, D.C. is legal. And I fully support the movement in freeing the nipple because why is my chest now deemed inappropriate or illegal when I show it off. Mm. However, before coming out as trans, it was not. Mm. All you're doing is affirming that I am a woman. All you're doing <laughs> is no, saying <laughs> that trans women are women because for some reason, people nope. like to sexualize. Okay. Anyway, you get the idea. A um, couple of things. Uh, nice try. Uh, I love the sudden shift to libertarianism. I'm just for freedom. Okay. Well, if you're for freedom, then I'm free to not like what you're doing. And you can't impugn motives to that. But also, um, I, I, it, you know, and I, and I guess this is where maybe it would be helpful for women to start saying something. I, don't, I guess they're sitting there in horror and they don't know what to say. But um, you're, you're not freeing the nipple you are screaming for attention and i think it's time to just explain to the trans activists if you really are activists on behalf of other people you're not succeeding it isn't working you are driving public opinion the other way you ever heard of bud light or this Gallup poll? Or how about this? And, and I, was, I was blown away by this because I'm from Massachusetts. You may or may not know that. I, I spent the first half of my life in Massachusetts. And um, I could believe this anywhere, but I am surprised it happened there. Burlington, Massachusetts, students at a middle school who were being compelled to participate in a pride event, including the wearing of rainbow clothing, rebelled they protested in the middle of pride you know pride itself used to be a protest there was a time when that was not welcomed and officially given the stamp of approval but now that's being forced on people think how many schools think how many colleges think how many employers you got to do it you got to have it put it up fly the flag so these students said no. They'd had enough. And they, they tore down some posters, and they refused to wear the rainbow colors. How many of them, I don't know. Some quantity of them. Such that the school put out a statement scolding them. The students were chanting, USA are my pronouns. I think we need to review pronouns there, English teachers. But anyway, um, the school, the, the principal, and the superintendent of the district issuing statements decrying the homophobia 
of their students. So you see the, the situation here. If the students regurgitate what they've been fed, then they're solid citizens. They're loving human beings. If they say, no, I question this, they're homophobes. But I'll tell you what, it's not that complicated. When you um, ask people to do something, they may get a little tired of hearing you ask. When you keep telling people and ordering people and mandating people to do something, eventually it has the opposite effect. So when people in a totalitarian regime have to kneel or bow to the dictator or hang his picture in their house by law, it makes them hate the dictator more. It, it, it's never had any other result. And when you make people do the pride event, it doesn't lead to pride or tolerance. It leads to hate. It's so obvious that you wonder how anyone could not see it. But remember, there's a lot of people in this world who equate being a good person, being a person of value, with obedience. Their concept of being a good person is, I do what I am told. And obviously, if that was what you got up every morning with your, you know, in your head, and that was your mission, I'm going to do what I'm told, then you'd, you'd fly the flag, you'd wear the sticker, you'd say the, the slogan, you'd put the poster up, you'd, you know, whatever. I mean, you'd do all that. These students are re rebelling because they are repelled by what they're being told. I, I, I doubt it has anything to do with any hate in their heart for gay people. I seriously doubt it. What they hate is being dictated to. It doesn't work. It's not going to work this time. never has. You can get the appearance of compliance. I mean, if you remember like the, the, the old grainy videos we would get from the old Soviet Union or North Korea, it, it, it sure looks like everybody is kneeling at the right time and saluting at the right time and goose-stepping at the right time and but it, you can't really see what's in their head and what's in their heart. But we learned over time, through the dissident movement and then the collapse of the Soviet Union, people hated it. They saw through it. They did everything they could. They took every opportunity as, as much as they could without losing their lives to signal their rebellion, their independent thought. And that's what's going to happen here. And the numbers are going in the opposite direction. None of this is working as far as convincing people, norming behavior. So do your, do your best, but I don't think it's going to work. I think it'll be very ugly on the way, but I don't think it's going to work. We're going to see how you voted on the Russia-China question on the River City Oral Surgery JR poll coming up. And also um, uh, coming up, 
I'll tell you about a um, what I think was maybe the most, I don't know, gimmicky response to yesterday's Trump indictment. This, this to me, was very um, disappointing, I guess. I'll explain it when we get to it. Uh, I want to check the Jack Chat line. This is the number we've set up for people to listen to the show, either when it's not live, like as a podcast, or who are just not able to call in or maybe maybe not able to get through during a topic, but you still want your opinion heard, you can call the Jack Chat line, which is a different number, 210-599-5550, and then leave your first name, your city, and your comments about anything at all. Um, let's check the Jack Chat line tonight. Jack, this is Chad. I'm calling from San Antonio. On the electric cars... Why isn't the government leading by example? Why don't all of the federal agencies drive electric cars? I'm just curious. Thanks, sir. Bye. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I wasn't old enough to know what the government did during the like the gas crisis of the 70s. I was just a kid. But did the government fleet... Like, did, did, did fleets of, of vehicles that were used by different agencies and federal departments, did they downsize from, like, you know, uh, Galaxies to Pintos or, uh, you know, Impalas to Chevettes? Or, I, I don't know. Maybe they did. It, it would seem like a very good idea if you were trying to exhort people to... Uh, do something that was really in everybody's best interest. Like, hey, come on, we need to start saving gas and driving smaller cars. And look, you can still do what you need to do and get where you need to go. Then, yeah, the, the analogy would be uh, put, put the electric cars in the federal fleet. Uh, that would also have the effect of people seeing more of them, right? Um, I think the problems would be, well, are you going to make, like, Federal law enforcement drive electric cars? That's not going to work. Are you going to make, uh, like, maybe uh, Bureau of Land Management or people that drive long distances and are out in the wilderness or in the national parks or on federal land where there are no charging stations, are they going to be able to drive electric? Well, no, actually not. Um, should the presidential limo be electric? Boy, what a, what a coup that would be. What a, what a gesture. You know, if Biden said, I'm scrapping the beast because, first of all, Trump sat his butt in it, and I, for that reason alone, we should burn it and scrap it, bury the wreckage, you know, in a, in a nuclear waste dump. But what if they got, like, a big, stretched, buffed-out, you know, Tesla plaid model for Joe Biden to ride around in? I mean, you already know the answer to this. I'm asking. It's a stupid question, and I know that. Wouldn't be secure. Wouldn't be safe. Wouldn't have all the capabilities that the presidential limo has. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting question. I, and I suppose the other thing is, um, the other answer to uh, Chad's question is, well, they're not trying to convince us to get electric cars. They're not trying to sell us. They're telling us. They're ordering us. All right, let's check the next one on the Jack Chat line. This is Richard in San Antonio. Just wanted to mention on the topic of game show hosts that you had yesterday, wanted to mention I think the most unusual, or one of the most unusual, was John Charles Daly, who had been a pretty distinguished reporter 
who was the host of What's My Line, which also had kind of an eclectic panel because you had an actress, Arlene Francis, the columnist, Dorothy Kilgallen, Bennett Cerf, who was the head of Random House Publishing. And the one other thing I wanted to mention real quick is you were talking about it wouldn't be possible to create a Vanna White-type job. I think the last time there was anything like that, the briefcase models on Deal or No Deal, and, of course, one of those was Meghan Markle. Take care. <laughs> oh, that was devastating, Richard. Thank you. Good, Very good points, very good takes. I forgot. I, I'd heard that before. Uh, but I'd forgotten that Meghan Markle was at one time on that game show. Don, was that the game show that, um, oh, what's his name, the comedian? Yeah, I'm stumped. I can see his face right now. He's I can a, see he's his face, ba- He's bald right now. Yeah. He's a stand-up comic. How he, he was on America's Got Talent. Howie Mandel, Howie Mandel. Right? Yes. Yeah, That was his show, right? Yes, uh-huh. yes, it was. And they had the suitcase models, mm-hmm. and Meghan Markle mm-hmm. was one of them. Oh, <laughs> for that reason alone... All right. Well, someone um, obviously yeah. had been watching the Game Show Network because he mentioned these. I was talking about what's my line. All these uh, mm-hmm. um, actors and actresses. Dorothy Kilgallen. Wasn't she like a a film star of the '40s at one particular time or not? Or no, she I was a newspaper columnist. Oh, was she really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in fact, Dorothy Kilgallen's really interesting. She was on What's My Line. She was a panelist. And um, she was, after the Kennedy assassination, she was so affected by that that she decided to write a book. And she was one of the most uh, muckraking, um, dogged, you know, well-sourced journalists in the country. So she was like, for her era, she was like maybe a Tucker Carlson kind of, you know, get the story, dig, uh let the facts lead where they lead, no agenda. Anyway, Dorothy Kilgallen started doing research on a book where she was going to blow the doors off the Warren Commission and expose the Kennedy assassination. She started telling people uh, that her research was even more shocking than she had expected. She was finding out the truth was even more shocking than she had thought. She kept saying these things, and then one day Dorothy Kilgallen was found dead. This was around 1965 in her apartment. Wow. And the circumstances were crazy. It was one of those deals where she would had overdosed on a drug she'd never taken before. She was in a bed in her apartment that was like a guest room bed. Friends of hers were like, this isn't the room she slept in. She wouldn't have been in this bed. It was like, like a bunch of things like that that didn't make sense. Um, and a lot of people think Dorothy Kilgallen, you know, said too much. Probably should have just written the book gotten herself some good security but you know back in those days i think people believed the truth would protect you you could you could tell the truth and that itself would protect you today i think if you thought you had a incendiary secret about people in power or even even something like the jfk assassination today i think you would be super careful you wouldn't open your door to just anybody Mm -hmm. you'd have you know you'd have protection but she she may have died because of what she was going to report oh and the the manuscript, there were two copies of the manuscript. She had one, and she had entrusted the other one to, like, her best friend, who was not a journalist, just some lady that she was pals with. Dorothy's manuscript was missing when they found her body. The woman who had the other copy had it stolen from her, 
And then she died under mysterious circumstances. So that's a that's a fascinating story. That's I did not know. Cra- I don't know why I remember all that. that. Much of her yeah, I couldn't remember Howie yeah. Mandel's name, but I can remember that. It's fascinating right. to watch some of those old game shows because they they, they were dressed. I mean, in, in yes. fancy suits and ties. Well, I'm glad and, you mentioned Game Show Network because a lot of the emails I got last night about the game show topic, people said, you know, I'm too young to remember blank blank blank, but I watch Game Show Network. So that's how people know all this. It's fascinating. I didn't think of that. Uh, Before we get to the poll results, did you see this yesterday? In all the craziness of yesterday in Miami, Vivek Ramaswamy was outside the courthouse. Did you see this? Now, he's running for president. He's, you know, running against Trump. He's one of the Republican candidates for president. He's outside the courthouse. He's in a T-shirt and a cap that says truth. And he's at the mic, and he is announcing that he will pardon Donald Trump immediately if he becomes president. And then he holds up a piece of paper, very dramatic, made-for-TV moment. He holds up this piece of paper, and he says, this is a letter I'm writing, and I'm sending it to all the other candidates, and he names all the other candidates. He says, I'm sending them all a letter, and I'm challenging every one of them, including the Democrats, to issue the same promise. Join me in promising that you will pardon Donald Trump on the first day of your presidency. And i got to say, this is the first thing I've seen Vivek Ramaswamy do that I did not like. I, I thought it was cheap and stunty and gimmicky, which is the opposite of what I would expect from him. Um, first of all, it doesn't look good when you're talking about pardoning a guy who hasn't been convicted. Are you saying that you're pretty damn sure he's guilty? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? But secondly, um, I, 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 it looked like just such a naked, obvious, I want to inherit Trump's supporters kind of thing. I realize every Republican would like to inherit Trump's supporters. If Trump can't make it or doesn't make it or goes to prison or whatever, I'm sure they all want the support of Trump's army. But you can't be this obvious about it. And like I said, he seems like a very intellectual guy, very intense. I've been very impressed by a lot of the things he said. This this was not a good, good look for Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm sure there are people who disagree, but that's just how it looked to me. All right, on the uh, JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, is Russia or China a more serious enemy of the United States? It was unanimous, 100% of all our votes said, well, obviously it's China, dummy. Well, I didn't say that. I supplied that part. Uh, We'll have a new JR poll question tomorrow when we go live at 4 here on KTSA, or you can uh, find the JR poll anytime at ktsa.com and again you can hear this show anytime you want we love you if you listen at night or in the mornings or when you walk the dog or weekends or whatever it might be jogging treadmills just look for the jack riccardi show anywhere you like to get podcasts or look for it in the on-demand menu at ktsa.com and i hope you have a wonderful night and stay cool and like i said at the beginning of the show don't believe the thermometer because it's even hotter than it looks or it's hotter than it says see you back here tomorrow at four